Welcome to another episode of the Corporate Quitters Podcast. Today we are joined by Beth Cole, a former school teacher who was fed up with the bullying and bureaucracy in the classroom, and I'm not talking about from the students, and decided to go her own way. Join us. I'm sure you'll love this discussion. All right, all right. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Welcome to episode number 23 of the Corporate Quitters Podcast. And today, Beth Cole is with me. Beth, what's going on? Hello, good morning. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me here on your podcast. All right, so why don't you do me a favor and tell everyone who you are and what are you doing to make the world a better place? Hi everyone, my name is Beth Cole. I am a former school teacher. And right now I am using my voice to help encourage people to get out of that space in their head. But also I am using my voice to do things like voiceovers and motivational speaking and training internationally. Oh boy, so let's talk about school teaching because that's a hard job. What did you teach? I taught special ed, I taught in math. So my first job, I was supposed to, I I taught students who had learning disabilities, who had autism, who had emotional um, problems, and I had to teach them whatever the regular kids were teaching them. So imagine teaching a child with an IQ of 50, the Pythagorean theorem. Yeah, yeah, that, that was fun. She got it and it's like 50 first dates. You get it, and then the next day, you everything's a blank, and you get to do it over again. So that All right, was so pop quiz. What is pi? Huh? What is pi? Pop quiz. What is oh pi? Oh my gosh, three point one four. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> Look now, there, there's some people right now that are getting hungry because they didn't get that, but uh, math nerds got it. <laughs> and so yeah, the, I. I went, I taught a lot of things trying to figure out what really fit. I taught math for four years. I had the same students for three years in a row. I had them in middle school from sixth to eighth grade. And I taught the same thing, the same lesson plan, the same problem. It got really monotonous. And so I taught art and that was, whoa, from very structured to, hey, you can do whatever and get an A, right? And that was too much unstructure for me. So I'm in my journey as an educator, I had to teach a lot of things like reading and writing on top of math and science and social studies. My favorite thing always is when I see that light bulb in a student's head, oh, hey, I got this. And then once they got it, I got it out of their way and they were able to propel themselves. And I pushed a lot, I did push, but that was a joy. It was a joy teaching them. It was a joy watching them grow. And I love it when I run into former students. Sometimes they're my servers at at a, at a restaurant or cafe, or I run into them in line somewhere, and they're going, "Miss Cole," and I'm like, "Who are you? <laughs> Remind me who you are and what I taught you." <laughs> Sometimes it's a drive-through at McDonald's, but I do run into a lot of former students from time to time, and 
it's it's thrilling to know that they still remember me. I made an impact, so much of an impact that they still remember me. No, no, no. You you have to remember them all too, though. That is not acceptable. Ooh. You cannot forget any student. <laughs> you have to be able to know who they are and what their favorite color was. was I do, but ago. it's always the name. Like, honey, what's your name again? Oh, and then when she says or he says their name, boom, 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 boom. It just unlocks all that memory. You know, we have to be, after having to memorize over 100 students every year, you kind of have to segment it and lock it away so you can get your brain ready for the next batch. But it's, uh, I just need that name and it, everything after that falls in place. <laughs> all right, so tell us this. Who is your most memorable student and why? I have so many, but my most memorable off the top of my head is uh, who was really an autistic student, very smart, but he had STEMI issues where he was picking his nose, he was picking his shirt, he was picking his socks. I mean, he was just picking everything. Wow. And I was teaching on the projector, doing some math thing. He sits in my lap. I kid you not. I'm over here sitting, writing down their notes, and he sits in my lap. I'm like, hi, honey, how can I help you? You want to learn math today? Uh-huh. You want to go back and sit down? Okay. And he walks back, moves on, teaches. And I know that I had to show the students how to how to treat him like it didn't bother me like oh sit down here no I, I couldn't do that I didn't want to do that I thought it was hilarious that this little tiny kid sat in my lap while I was teaching so far that's been my memorable most memorable teaching moment <laughs> yeah, and he was like a 13 year old so you know whoa but you have to keep in mind their mental age they're more like four and five and I had to teach them regular math that was fun <laughs> Well, I think that's the interesting part about it, because when you go through school, they teach you technically how to be a teacher, but there's so much more. There's the human side of it, you know, dealing with people with special abilities, dealing with people who are difficult, dealing with students who are good, but maybe parents that are bad or vice versa. And there's a lot of that that happens. And it's it's like the job of a teacher is more than the job of a teacher. Absolutely. You know, I, I've also taught elementary school and that was a different beast because the kids are very needy. They are still, they're getting into their sass, but a lot of them, I all, I taught only in title one schools. So th this is wow. poverty level schools, 80%, 85% below poverty level. So some of my students would come to school, they were already heavily medicated. And so either if they miss their medication or if they have too much, they're either raging and destroying my classroom or sleeping the day away because they're hopped up on their meds. So that was really interesting. And a lot of people, okay, I had all the hard students. I always had every year, I had all the hard students. And when they found out that I had my special ed background when I taught middle school, then they understood why I was able to handle the kiddos, the little ones better because the, my, my teenagers taught me how to um, approach my students in a, in a kind way, in a way that is not demeaning. I mean, I, I've, I've lost my cool a few times, don't get me wrong. You know, I can only take so much of my room being trashed or 
students running out the classroom raging. I still have to teach the other kids. So while this is going on over here, I have to be really calm because I got 20 kids over here that still needs to learn that still needs me. So it, it was quite a roller coaster ride, let me tell you. Yeah. So we've got quite a few people here from outside of the state. So I'm just going to back up a minute. You said a lot of the schools that you taught at were Title I schools. So for those of you who don't know, a Title I school is a school that's in an underprivileged area. Oftentimes those schools get additional funding from the government. Uh, and you'll see programs like free lunches for everyone and after school programs that are subsidized by the government and things like that. But usually it's a school in an underprivileged area. And so we have Hussein uh, Hosnain here, and he said, hello from Malaysia. Oh, wow. And Doreen Benarara is here. Hey, Doreen. And my friend Maria is here. She says hello and good morning. And Doreen brings up a really good point. She says they are way more than a teacher for the kids and for the parents as well. Yeah, because oftentimes you have uh, uh, people who may have had children too young or before they were in a condition to be able to actually care for their own children. And so you send them to school and you find that teachers are often not just teaching the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, as they say, but also teaching morals, values, and ethics. So now that, that had to be hard. Did you experience any of that? Oh, absolutely. Every day I had to remind them that I'm their teacher, not their parent. And so if they were really sassy, if you talk to your mom like that, is that how you talk to your mama? Yes. Well, you can't talk to me like that. They actually said yes? Oh. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, 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 my mama let me talk like that. Then wow. I call mom and mom's like, no, nah, she don't. <laughs> okay. So, you know, I have to, I have to trust, but I also have to check with the parents. And then it's the other way around too. Parents will do everything they can to get the, help their child get away with not doing stuff. So that's, there's a fine line between calling them out <laughs> and also trying to stay employed. <laughs> well, I know, right? Because, I mean, I don't know if you saw, um, um, oh, goodness, I forgot her name now, but um, I forgot her name. She's in Growth Academy with us, and she posted this morning or yesterday about how in the classroom as a teacher's aide, she cursed at a student on accident. And uh, yeah, and, and she said she went ahead and admitted it to the uh, teacher, but the students in the class didn't want her to tell because they thought that she might get fired from her job. Oh. And when she told the teacher, the teacher just kind of laughed and said, it happens sometimes. And so the big lesson there was, you know, she taught the kids integrity, but she also did the right thing under pressure when she could have, you know, presented a bad example to the kids. So I think it's right. hard because you, you always want to have a, present a good example to students, but you're still human too. And I have to remember that they probably have heard worse. <laughs> right. Sometimes Especially it's one in one ear, out the other. And, and a lot of times people forget that, you know, little people, little kids, big ears. And so they complain and, and have problems and they even forget that they're in a professional setting because they're so frustrated. And right. I observe the kids and they're like, it's normal for them. So, which is sad. <laughs> it is sad. I, I guess between, <laughs> between their parents and television nowadays, it probably is normal. But hey, check this out. We've got Shalini here all the way from Malaysia. And she says, hey, Robert and Beth, 
And Maria says, being a teacher is the greatest thing that has happened in my life. A pleasure to listen to your experience, Beth Cole. Aww. Isn't Thanks. that nice? Yeah. And Shalini says that being a teacher is a noble profession. Now, we also have someone here from the Philippines, JP. JP says, hello from Makati. He's, he's a big fan of yours, and she's a big inspiration to our group. So what group are you guys in, uh, Beth? Um, it's, it's called Makati House. So Makati is, uh, well, it's kind of like Wall Street. It's the central business district in the Philippines. So when you talk about money, stocks, technology, and basically it's a big, it's a group for nerds where we can come together and talk about really nerdy stuff and in a professional setting. And it, of course, it blends into our personal lives as well. But I've been with the group since March and that's like my home. I go there every day and sometimes I, I can't, but uh, when I do, it's like hours and hours on end because we just talk about a lot of stuff that, you know, our, our, this is where our nerd souls meet in Makati House. So, <laughs> so what are you teaching anyone in Makati House? I know you're probably learning a lot from everyone, but okay. what are you teaching? Keeping with our theme, what are you teaching? Um, I don't know. What, what do you think I'm teaching you guys? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really to just inspire and encourage. I try to find just the best of everybody in any situation. So I'm more of a counselor. Sometimes they call me the principal because I'm like the, mm -mm, we're not going that line. You know, I am the chief, what, uh, what do you, what do you call that? <laughs> Military police, I guess, when they tow the line into a little bit more gray area. But a lot of them call me privately and just need to let it all out. You know, they just need a coach, a mentor. And they're the ones actually who, my, these are my pushers, my friend pushers. They pushed me into the coaching and the teaching space. So I had no plans to do any of this. And they're like, you need to do this. And you're helping us so much. You need to turn this into a job. And like, no, I don't want to. Uh -huh. So. Yep. Well, and that's the thing. I always say oftentimes people see in you things that you don't even see in yourself. And then they help you to bring those things out. Now, check this out. Bernadette is here. And Bernadette says she was a special ed student and she wouldn't be where she is right now if it weren't for teachers like you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, uh -huh. It's a lot of patience. Definitely but Bernadette also, now check this out. Bernadette also says Beth is the secret sauce of Makati House. <laughs> and so let me ask a question that everyone is dying to know. Makati House in Clubhouse, right? Yes, it's in Clubhouse. We um, we host we have a lot of coffee talks and we invite persons um, from the political arena, from the technical arena. They come in and do some co coffee talks or fireside chats. And we also do after parties for other clubs in the Philippine community, whether it's tech, whether it's finance, whether it's fun. So it's the, it, that club has really given me a lot of confidence and has helped me to, because I'm bilingual, they've helped me to remember how to speak in Tagalog and how to practice it more. So it's really nice to know that there are people around the world are just like me and i feel like i'm not the only one and fun fact 
B or Bea has actually gone to my house in the Philippines and met with my sister because she is um, one of the brand ambassadors for, oh my goodness, what is that? Bear, what is it? The rental Airbnb. And so it's like, hey, I was, I was telling them about my house and she's like, okay, I'm gonna go visit your house tomorrow. And my sister's going, why are there strangers here? <laughs> what are they doing? But I love the group because they do meet every once in a while and not just on Clubhouse, they meet in person and they, we, they do a lot of mentorship and a lot of collaborating outside the group. And a lot of deals happen as well. So very, very blessed to be a part of the group. Yeah, well, and, and you know, teachers, I mean, teachers touch lives. That's just what they do. And speaking of touching lives, JP says, personally, Beth has helped me with my public speaking skills and building up my confidence with hosting our show, subscribing to the Corporate Quitters now. Appreciate you, JB. But uh, Beth, JB appreciates you. So now, oh, he's like amazing. Said, exactly. Teachers touch lives, right? But at some point, at some point, you got you got tired of um, the classroom, um, and it seems like you still enjoy teaching, but you didn't enjoy the classroom. So, what what happened to uh, uh, make you lose the love for being in the public school system? It was mostly the paperwork. <laughs> we're we're given a curriculum, and it really depends on the district. And I think last year, everybody just going, ah, but the curriculum was not like being a seasoned teacher, you know, when something's good and something's fake and you're going, and someone just put it up there to put stuff up here. So I didn't like the curriculum, but I didn't have the juice to redo it because it was just too much pressure having to teach hybrid, I had students in class and had students online. And so I had to discipline both. And mostly my online students were the ones that I had to really deal with. But I still had some face-to-face -face students that kind of got away with stuff because I was looking at the screen trying to make sure these darlings are taking their assessments or whatever. So it was basically double the job for half the pay. A lot of it, too, was the environment, I think, as leaders... However, whoever your leader is, if they're not able to handle all of the pressures, they're not um, processing it properly, it kind of trickles down on to your employees. And there was just a lot of negativity. And so many teachers left from my school because they were so over it. Um, my, encourage, my wish is that the district would have done a better job yep. taking care of their leaders so that the leaders can take better care of their teachers but you know it's it's a learning experience and as much as I love being in the classroom that negative atmosphere was just too much and my friends in Makati house they were there for everything they <laughs> they were the ones you know they were they were they were they were my counseling session I was just going oh my gosh this is crazy and ah oh um and that clubhouse actually saved my sanity because I'd be on it during lunch, I'd be on it, you know, I, I get one earbud on while at recess, I'm watching them, but I'm still listening during my planning period. I was just on Clubhouse every day, because if I wasn't on Clubhouse, I I wouldn't be here right now. Absolutely. Wow. 
Now that's powerful. And, and you know, I think hearing you talk about this is going to help some other teachers out because a lot of them are thinking the same thing, especially now what struck me is when you said you had students in person and online, and it was like doing double the work without double the pay. That makes perfect sense. And, and I think this period of time only exacerbated what was already happening in the teaching profession. Um, and, and having a group of people to go to, to vent to, talk to, and figure out what's really happening is extremely important. So I think what you've shared here is probably going to help some other teachers uh, if they get a chance to tune in. Right. And it helped that they weren't teachers in Makati House. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're CEOs, they're CFOs, they run multiple small businesses, they're in tech, they're in, uh, they're doing production. But you missed one thing. They're also parents. I, some of them are. <laughs> yeah, some of them are, right? And so you 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 get that piece of it too. So Maria, Maria says that each lesson is a new challenge. As a professor, we need to be ready to face it. That's the most exciting part. We can be getting ready for a lesson many days in advance, but what's going to happen in there will always be the unknown due to students' imaginations, perspectives, doubts about the topic itself. It's an exciting procedure indeed. And I can imagine at the elementary and middle school and high school level, it's exacerbated even more because, you know, kids are really still learning about life too. And that, oh, I could, I could see where that could be very challenging, interesting, and, and exciting. And this is not helping at all. Not at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no. I was before I, um, I, I took multiple breaks in my teaching career and trying to um, figure out if I wanted to go back to the classroom. So I was substitute teaching. And after lunch, some of the students came back and like, oh, where is she? Did she get into a fight? Yes. Did you record it? Yes. You want to see it? No. You know, it's yeah. not helping. Yeah. Not the internet is full of videos of students <laughs> fighting in schools, and I think that it is crazy. Hey, so right. look, you talked about the paperwork being one of the biggest things. What is the most what is what is the most overburdensome thing that you had to do where you just said, "Okay, screw it, I just hate this." Well, a lot of meetings were during our planning period. So instead of doing working on lesson plans mm -hmm. and grading papers, we had to take that time outside, and then we had trainings that could have been on an email. I think you can relate to that <laughs> required trainings. Um, I felt like they were just stealing the time that we needed to kind of um, recenter ourselves so we can do a better job. And then if we don't have all of this paperwork, this form needs to be submitted. I have to teach social emotional learning to all these students and then have to kind of write down and kick off. Okay, did I teach this? Did I teach this? Did I teach that to that kid? Oh, this kid is struggling here. This kid's not. How do I, um, how do I mix the students so that everybody can be served and nobody falls through the cracks? So that was a lot of extra planning, but not a lot of time executing it. That's another frustration. Yeah, and that that makes a lot of sense because you have a classroom full of students who all have individual needs, and they could be at varying learning levels. And so how do you plan for one individual who could slow down the entire class? Or how do you plan for that one individual who's so far ahead of everyone in the class? Yeah, 
I can see where right. that would be extremely difficult, especially without uh, adequate support and or adequate funding to um, slow down the class or speed up the class or move a student to another class. Wow, that's 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 pretty interesting. So so as a teacher, you would help students kind of find their voice in life and find their way in life. So you left teaching and now you help other people find their voice. So let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about a few different things that you do. So one of the things that you do is uh, voiceovers. So talk to me about the voiceovers. I've always wanted to be a DJ growing up. That was like my thing, headphones, microphone. I lived next to a radio station and my dad was friends with a lot of people there. So I'd sneak in into the DJ's booth just to listen and see how it's going. And I kid you not, one time I was 14 years old and I was telling the DJ to pronounce these words better. <laughs> I was already accent coaching without realizing it. I got into trouble. But, you know, I I wanted them to I wanted them to be able to speak this, but I didn't realize that that was her brand. Cause I was 15 or 14, I was dumb. I didn't know any better. So that started off with that. <laughs> and being a pastor's kid, I've been around motivational speakers and I'm listening to sermons, you know, out the wazoo. But when my dad was approached by a talent agent to, and asked him if he was interested in doing a commercial, an audio commercial, um, he told us all about it, and it was for Imodium. <laughs> it broadcast in the province. We heard it, and we were dying because he was just talking. Um, it wasn't our dad. He was basically like, oh, my stomach hurts you know, in, in, in his language. And that gave me the inspiration to go out and do voice acting on my own. I, it was a side hustle in college. I didn't tell anybody. I just went ahead and did it. Um, I landed campaign for Pepsi and a, can a campaign for Greenwich. I think that was four, four campaigns. So I, I appeared in five or six commercials and I was shocked because I only said one word or no, a handful of words and some sounds and I got paid nice. So that was like my pocket money in college. All right. So there's a lot to unpack here. So wait a minute. <laughs> you live next to a radio station. And you would go to the radio station and critique the DJ, <laughs> critique the DJ on the pronunciation and enunciation of words. Okay, yeah, that, that's about right. I see you never told me that story, but that seems about right. You're kind of bossy sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so wait. So now your father would take you over to the radio station, and you're a PK, huh? You're a preacher's kid. I am. So you got to see your father doing sermons and stuff like that. So that kind of led you into the voiceover work. But wait a minute. Let's talk about this now. You did a voiceover for Coke? Pepsi. Pepsi. Oops, sorry. Oops. So you did a voiceover for Pepsi. So I'm going to ask you the same thing I just asked you. Where is that commercial and why is it not on your LinkedIn profile so that everyone can see the quality of your work? Uh, sure. <laughs> It's, you know, I had recorded everything, but we had a flood and it was VCR back then, VHS tape. So we had so much damage from that. And when I found some random person posting it online, I was shook. Like, oh my gosh. Because I was looking for copies. 
and I found it and I will definitely update that link after. And this then what you're going to do is you're going to post it in the comments to this show so that people can go see the quality <laughs> of your work. Okay, let me look for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so voiceover work. So that's one of the ways that you are using your voice in this world. But there's something else that you're doing. You're doing something called accent reduction. Uh, is that correct? Accent reduction? Yes. All right. So tell us, what in the world is accent reduction? Well, it's basically teaching or practicing how to speak English with a neutral accent. So as a bilingual person, I've noticed that when I'm tired and I'm not really focused on how to speak English, my Tagalog accent comes out. And that is a lot, that is actually a, a problem for a lot of bilingual, multilingual people. They take their, the accents and the phonetics of their mother language, and then they transfer it over to English. And so we have, and that's why a lot of people from India and the Philippines, um, Japan, like non-native English speakers are often misunderstood because they don't realize that they're subconsciously applying their phonetic patterns into English. And so you're going, what? Can you repeat that again? And I, my goal is to help executives, people in the C-suite level, avoid that because they're brilliant. They're amazing. They're so smart. But when they start talking, a lot of people then immediately start discounting them because they have to make an extra effort to understand what they're saying. So hmm. um, I, I kind of stumbled onto this. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't deliberate. I was helping my friends in Makati House kind of coach their um, voice over or how to, how to pronounce a few words properly. And when they noticed that after a simple five minute session, someone improved, they're like, hey, you need to do this for real. And when I started just saying it out there and um, talking to people about it, and my goal was the international audience. But when I was sharing it to some of my bilingual teachers here in the States, they went, I need your number. I've been in the States for 20 years, for 30 years. People still can't understand me speaking English because they're speaking in Spanish all the time. So, you know, just putting that idea out there and it, it opened up so many doors. And I'm really excited to see where that's going to go. And my English isn't perfect. My accent, sometimes it, it's off. But as a bilingual person, I'm able to kind of understand their thought patterns and processes so I can translate it to help them speak English better. Yeah, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm a little ignorant when it comes to that subject because my thought has always been, I mean, if you have an accent, you just try harder to understand the person. But I have a few friends that have accents and they've talked about wanting to do accent reduction because it's a problem. And um, I know it's a self-conscious problem as well, because now you feel a certain way because you, you, you're frustrated because people can't understand you. So yeah, I do get that. So now we've got my man Usama in the house. He said, the living legends, Robert Berry and Beth Cole. Thank you, Osama, for tuning in, my man. Hopefully you are doing well and we need to catch up very soon. Now, Bernadette is still here and she says, Beth, is the most professional voice talent I've ever encountered. No kidding. She can get the job done in one take. Now, is that true, Beth? One take? 
ask them. <laughs> so, you, so you're like the you're like the Jay Z of voice talent. You know, they said he would just step into a booth and just do all of his rap lyrics in one take. So you, you're like, the setup took longer than the actual recording. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. And okay, a so lot now, of it is that uh, being a school teacher really helped me with that, especially school teacher for little kids. I had to read stories out loud and I had to read stories every day and had to learn how to read it with emphasis and when to make my voice louder or make it softer or speak in different accents. You know, who's the bad guy, you know, who's the good guy, you know, who's the hero, you know, who's the, uh, the damsel in distress. And I, I brought that over to fourth grade. The first book I would read aloud, it's called the top 10 ways to ruin the first day of school. There are like Ooh. 10 or 12 different characters. And so I would try to find a voice for each one. And I would read it out loud to them just to get them interested in reading and kind of get their mindset shifted from summer to school. And so I know that reading aloud books really helped me learn how to speak better, how to, how to do it in one take. And a lot of the times, I'm just reading from my heart. I'm not even thinking about what's um, the technical things that a lot of people kind of take into consideration because I had so much fun reading out loud. And yeah, I what, that mindset into reading my scripts what, for my voice talent. What's that old saying? Reading is fundamental? Fundamental, right. It is fun and it, it is fundamental. Yeah, that, that was a bad joke. I need like a rim shot. Okay, so wait, 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 wait. So now there's one thing that you just said that I want to go back to because you talked about reading out loud for your students and reading the book with 10 different characters because that's one thing I wanted to ask you. So with your voiceover work, do you do characters? I can do mothers. I can do children. I read a book uh, with, a Mac with a Hispanic accent, with a Spanish accent. So I would read it in the neutral American accent, but when the tia starts reading, I would read it in a Spanish accent. The Tia, that's the aunt, right? Yes, yes. Ah, and see? I kid you not, one of my teacher assistants went on YouTube to see if she can find a reading of that book because when I read it and I recorded it on YouTube, it was a private listing because I had to do it that way. Mm. And she said that the one she found was so boring, she was expecting it to sound like mine. And she's like, you need to do this. You need to read these books out loud and record it because she comes into my classroom with a smile on her face every time. All right. So, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot, right? You know, you know, I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's oh do a mother. God. Let's do a mother. Oh, which, which, which voice, um, which language, Tagalog or English? <laughs> English. Let's do an English I did, mother first. I actually did a, I did one for Vix. I did a sample for Vix. Um, well, let's see. What are you doing? And then the kid will be like, I'm just helping him out because he feels so sick. Oh no, you don't, you don't do it that way. This is how you do it. You're going to take your VIX and you're going to rub it across his chest and his back so he could, he could breathe better. You know, something, something like that. I'm just directly translating it from Tagalog. Okay. So now English with the Spanish accent. Oh, okay. Um, let me see. I'm going to do, all right. I'm, I, I'm going to do Osama's. How can I be like, um, well, how about this? 
I read English, but I read Spanish with a Spanish accent. It right, is so hard to read English in in a different accent, but yeah. when I I do read the Spanish or um, or other accents, it it's kind of automatic. So <laughs> mic drop. Um, well, I I could speak in a Tagalog accent. That's probably what. Um, let's see. JP asks, you know, world of diminishing attention span. How do you get the kids and those young at heart's attention these days? And again, it the, the accent depends on the language you're you're talking. Um, we have in in the Philippines, there's like 182 languages and the 12 different um, main ones. Wait, how many languages? 182. 182. How many do you speak of the 182? Well, um, two really good. And then one, like, I, I can understand it, but it has to be in English or in Tagalog when I respond. Wow. So it, it depends on the accent. Um, it's, it, this is so on the spot. I need to practice, but it, it, I love accents. I love listening to people speak and trying to figure out the grammar or the background of their language when I come, you know, oh, hey, are you from India? Oh, how do you know? Oh, are you from Nigeria? Yeah, how do you know? Is it North or South? And even Vietnam, um, accents break that, knowing what accent really helps break that barrier. They wouldn't normally talk to you, but when they know that you care enough about a little bit about their culture, then they're like, oh my goodness, there's this person that's not from my culture who knows a lot about my culture and who's willing to you know, go out of her way to say hello, or even in Korea. You know, my favorite donut shop is owned by a Korean. And I would come in and say, Hansamida, like hello. And then, um, oh wait, no, no, Anyo Haseyo is hello. And then Hansamida's goodbye or thank you. And there's like, oh my gosh, you know, you know, you know my language, you know, it's just hello and goodbye. But it breaks a lot of barriers and a lot of prejudice and bias because they see me and they see some somebody that's different that probably wouldn't know anything about their culture. Absolutely. Okay, so so now we've talked about you being a teacher in the classroom, got a little frustrated and fed up. So you left the classroom. Now you're helping people find their voice by doing voiceovers. Uh, what else did we just talk about? I forgot. Um, Oh, oh, accent reduction. And what else do you do though? A few um, other things. I teachers to become I teach teachers to become better teachers. So I do international mm -hmm. training and motivational speaking. Okay, so so how do you teach teachers to become better teachers? I listen and I, I basically share with them my experiences and let them and, and train them the non-traditional way of teaching a lot of teach the educational system, especially in the developing countries, it's still drill and kill. It's still very traditional. It's still open up the book, you know, boom, and you're going to teach straight from the book. So what I teach them is, um, are the strategies that I learned here in America, how to do project-based wow. learning, how to be creative, how to do, uh, they're called centers or stations, how you can have five different tables and the kids can spend maybe 15 minutes at each table and they just do a rotate and that's how they learn and that it's it's all hands-on. But I have to re also remember that 
the setups are different. So you have the teacher moves and not the student. Not, not like in America where the teacher is stationary and the students are the ones moving around. So I have to kind of take into consideration um, about the audience that I'm speaking with, but also help that I taught in the Philippines for my internship. I had 550 oh, yeah. students, 10 classes, 55 students each. And I only had 40 minutes to teach them. <laughs> so because I have that experience, now the teachers who are teaching in similar situations can relate, oh, she knows what, you know, I can understand, I can relate to what she's talking about. And um, being a teacher in both sides of the world has given yeah. me a different perspective and appreciation of what we have over here. And, but it's also taught me how to be creative because I taught over there with basically nothing. There's no books, no chairs, mm -hmm. no chalkboards. I sat on the floor. Sometimes I got kicked out into the courtyard we taught under the tree. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So being okay. able to share that experience opens up their hearts to the message that um, I will impart to them. All right. So, so where are you doing all of this good stuff? We talked about the clubhouse room. So let's talk about what's the name of this clubhouse room and what time are you in clubhouse? <laughs> well, I'm normally in the room with you for Growth Academy for 100X, but after I'm done with that, I would go visit them. But before we started doing 100X, I was there at 7 a.m. Most of the time, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I oversleep. <laughs> but somebody there is uh, opening the room up at 7 a.m. or 8 p.m. Manila time. And we normally run the rooms two to six hours. It used to be like 12 hour rooms. Wow where we just hang around because it was the summer productivity was kind of low. So it, you can, you can find me there normally where, um, where we're, we're just talking, sharing our lives, talking what's going on. Um, not, not, ha not being so uh, being in a more professional and respectful room as opposed to other, those social rooms that are kind of crass. You know, I like, I, that's just, just not my jam. Um, but I've been doing a lot of voiceovers and sound bites for the club as well. They do podcasts and I lend them my voice. And so they stream it. And so when I, when my ass comes to do, start my own podcast, they already know what they're doing. So I can just fuss at them and say, Hey, can you teach me how to do this? <laughs> Cause y'all are already doing this for the club. But, um, but yeah, I'm normally there, but uh, right now I'm, building my business, writing curriculum. I do plan to have a launch of my Speak Life program. I'm talking about being speaking life and positivity over a dead and negative world. So I'm not as active on Clubhouse as I would like, but it's it's a transitional shift as well. And, and it's okay. We still have each other's backs. We may not be able to be available for each other all the time. But if you need help, I'll be there. I'll be there for you. And if I need help, I know you got my back. All right. So if you guys are just joining us, we are on the Corporate Critters podcast with Beth Cole. Beth is a former school teacher who is now teaching people a lot of different things. <laughs> He's doing voiceover work. She's worked for Pepsi, you guys. So if you need some voiceover work, you need to call Beth. 
Beth also does accent reduction. So she teaches people how to speak English very clearly and reduce their accent so that they can be better understood so that we can all get along. So in that sense, Beth is kind of helping to heal the world, right? Uh, Beth is active on Clubhouse. She also teaches teachers how to be better teachers by talking about, by teaching them some of the techniques she's learned teaching in the Philippines and in the United States. Beth also has a program that she is launching soon, and she's also a motivational speaker. All right, so Beth, with all that said, yes. where in the world can we find you on social media, like LinkedIn, okay. Instagram? Tell us all your all your uh, socials. All right, you can find me on LinkedIn under Beth Cole Speaks, S-P-E-A-K-S, because there's like a million Beth Coles in the world, and so I have to stand out. Instagram is the same thing, Beth Cole Speaks. On Facebook, it's also Beth Cole Speaks. I do have a page there. Nice. It is in development, That's but okay. you know what? I, I have to start somewhere. Exactly. Yeah, that is okay. Twitter too. I I, you know, I'm gonna focus on LinkedIn right now, a little Instagram, but I, it's the same handle for those four platforms. That's very consistent and that's very good. So now you guys, you know where to find Beth and Cassandra is here. Cassandra says, Beth is the real deal. She's digging the borrow my voice concept. She also says that you're dedicated to a clubhouse room from seven to nine. So commit to your own room too. You got this. I think you should take Cassandra's advice. I that's know, I, I know. And I've been thinking about that idea, but with everything going on, I'm... I'm, I'm in not a too comfortable spot, but I need to have my fix. You know, I got to have my Robert fix every day. I got to have, you know, my Peter and Cassandra ICU. I have to have my Bea. I have to have my JP fix every day. So I'll eventually get there, but I'm really enjoying the journey. Yeah. And the that's the most fun part about it. All right. So you guys, this has been fun. Uh, one thing that Beth is going to do for us, though, she's going to find a copy of that Pepsi commercial and she's going to put it in the chat here. So when you watch the replay, you'll be able to see Beth's commercial so that you can see some of her work so, you can, so that you can see the quality of her work. Oh so it's literally five words, y'all. Um, <laughs> I gave it to Robert because unfortunately I didn't sign up for a StreamYard account, so I can't log in. <laughs> so you're going to have to do all the great stuff for me, Robert. Oh, that is quite all right. All right. So Beth. Yes. As we are winding down, do you have any last words for our audience? Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. And I know it's a little early for some of you or a little late. And I want to remind you that you have a voice in this world and you can choose it positively or negatively, but I do encourage you to be as positive and um, to give life to the words that you speak as much as you can, because you can click on a link and find all the negative stuff all you want, but you have to dig through to find a positive. So I encourage you to be that positive source and speak life into your life and to the lives of others. Ooh. Very important, very powerful, very impactful. And on that note, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Corporate Quitters Podcast. If you like this episode, go to your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star rating. I think we deserve it, don't you? 
If you want to know more, go to thecorporatequitters.com. Again, that is thecorporatequitters.com. You'll find articles. You'll find apparel. That's right. We've got merch. You'll find ways to contact us and to keep in touch with us. www.thecorporatequitters.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time.